Welcome to The Five Things This Week in Social, the podcast that reaches far, digs deep, and jumps high for the top stories in social that need a further look. From those stories, we narrow it down to just five so that you can have all the top bullets for the week ahead. If you're a marketer, an advertiser, a creator, or an influencer, you won't want to miss this, so stay right where you are. On the show today, we welcome back to the pod two of our friends from Tank Worldwide, Stephanie Thule and Natalie McGee. Hello, Stephanie. Hello. Question for you. So we had the Oscars a few weeks ago, and I'm curious if you watched any good movies lately, Oscar movie or not. I'm horrible at getting through a movie, but since the Oscars, we've been watching everything everywhere all at once in like 30 minute increments. We're almost there. Okay, I like that. All right. Have you have you seen the Everything Bagel part yet? Yes. Great. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, it's, good. <laughs> it's a great movie. I watched it recently too. Natalie, hello. Hello, hello. Same question for you, my friend. Have you seen any good movies lately? I have been horrible at like stuff about watching movies. I have been watching Daisy Jones and the Six though. Finished that show up this past weekend. Disappointed with the ending, but I know that's a hot take. Well, I haven't even heard of that, but that sounds good. I'm Joey Scarillo, and I highly recommend, if you need a nice, relaxing movie, to just sit back and watch Marcel the Shell with shoes on. It is just quite adorable. It's kind of asmr It's a good 90 minutes to spend. All right, friends, we've got way less than 90 minutes here, so let's get into it. Here are the five things. First up, Natalie tells us all about the latest in the TikTok hearings. Then Stephanie breaks down Twitter, putting all their eggs in Paid's basket. Then Natalie talks about Meta launching new Reels ad options. And then Stephanie looks into LinkedIn using AI and ChatGPT and asks the question, where could all this lead? And finally, Natalie takes us home and explains how Instagram introduced reminder ads and promoted results. All right, friends, lots to talk about. Let's get started with TikTok and their hearings. Natalie, what's the latest? What's going on? Yes. So there's a lot going on with this TikTok hearing. The hearing happened last week. If you're like me, it's been showing up all over my For You page and across just like feeds in general. We've seen a lot of thirst traps coming out of this one, which is interesting for a Congress hearing. But essentially, if you haven't seen it all over like I have, Congress last week questioned TikTok CEO Sho Chu on the app's relationship to ByteDance and growing concerns around safety when using this app. The hearing comes as kind of a response to some questions that are around general like safety when using the app. And it's even been referred to as, quote, a national security threat. I think concerns around how social media and apps in general collect data from us is nothing new. I think data mining and understanding how apps are using the data that they collect from us has been a concern over the past few years. And it's just interesting to observe how these concerns are now being reflected in our governmental bodies. Mark Zuckerberg's hearing, Sho Chu's hearing as kind of the latest in an attempt to further understand data, how it's captured, and how it's ultimately being utilized. Some conversations to take note of that came out of this hearing are the growing concern for children's safety on the app. So data and social media and kind of the positive correlation between declining mental health in children and teens and their increased use of social media is, I don't think, something that's particularly novel. But a major question in these hearings was surrounding how TikTok is generally contributing to this. And I think that is a positive step in ensuring that children and teens interacting on these platforms are engaging with one content that's appropriate, but two content that kind of looks to combat the 
decline in mental health that we're seeing in this age group. I think something interesting to note is the reaction in the media. Like mentioned earlier, we've seen some shochu thirst traps circulating on the apps. And it's just kind of interesting to see the general questions that Congress have. I think as social media nerds, it's really easy to pick up that our Congress members maybe should have done some additional research on the app when questioning. Just as one example, many Congress people were referring to TikTok as TikTok in questioning. Wow. Tic-tac. Well, that is a very different brand, very different thing indeed. There are so many things in play here. You know, one could say it's the data issue. One could say it's the children's safety. It's the mental health. Political issues, of course, and the fact that it's a Chinese company. Stephanie, where do you think we should be focusing as we think about how we should be engaging with TikTok? Which one of these concerns really jumps out to you the most and actually is the biggest sticking point? To me, some of these aren't actual concerns. So the one that is the biggest would be the way it takes shape for children. To our understanding, the China version of the app actually plays into STEM arts sciences for the content you'd see there. So I think just matching that would would just only be beneficial. I would also say there have been other huge apps that have come from other countries, like Be Real came from France, and we just haven't seen the same reaction. Well, it is interesting, right? I mean, Be Real's whole premise is to use it and lose it, to only be on it, say, once a day, whereas TikTok's whole thing is being on it all day, all the time. But that's not new. That's something that our friends over at Meta and Twitter are very, very used to. Okay, speaking of Meta and Twitter, we're going to get into a lot more about them. And so let's talk about Twitter. They're putting all their eggs into the paid basket. I know Easter's just around the corner. So why don't you break this one down for us? I'm so glad you made that pun there. The last few times I've been on the pod, it's been tough for Twitter. Today, we're going to keep that going. Twitter Blue has not been reaching expectations, and Elon Musk is again taking drastic action to try to drive adoption. So on April 15th, Twitter as we know it will change. The only tweets that will be displayed in the For You tab, which is the main tab of the app, will be from paying Twitter Blue verified accounts. And like a dagger, voting in Twitter polls will also become a Twitter Blue exclusive, which will severely restrict the reach of non-paying accounts while also limiting general user functionality. Musk has been clear that he sees paid as, quote, the only social media that matters. He's showing it. Twitter is also removing legacy blue check marks later this week. The logic here is that spammers and scammers won't be able to afford to pay $8 per account to run their schemes. However, I'm guessing that the majority of users still won't pay, and it could also make a lot less people likely to tweet and less likely to switch over to the For You tab, hampering discovery and thus general usage. So who is on Twitter Blue? Right now, there are around 450,000 subscribers of their total user base. So the risk here is clear. The small group of users is also largely aligned with Musk in his political and ideological stances, which could turn your For You feed into a very one-sided discussion. The results of going paid currently defeat the purpose of Twitter, if you ask me. This is very interesting as all these things develop with Twitter. One fun little thing that I saw on Twitter last week, a little bit of a poke at our friend Elon, was from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary and their account on Twitter. They had this whole fake thread about Webster Red, which was supposed to be like a way of uh, giving out real definitions. So if you follow Merriam-Webster on Twitter, or if you don't, you should check them out. That was very funny as a way to sort of jab at Twitter blue. But I am curious, Natalie, with our feeds sort of getting this one-sided conversation, what's that going to mean for Twitter? What's that going to mean for me and you as we use the app? But more importantly, what's it going to mean for brands who engage with the app? It's interesting. I think that we'll see a fall of usage 
on Twitter. I mean, we're already seeing their numbers drop. We're already seeing advertisers kind of move away from leveraging Twitter. Adding those restrictions for users that aren't subscribed to Twitter Blue will just kind of like further that fallout. It's also interesting to look at this from how brands and advertisers will use this. Twitter was seen to kind of be like grabbing for advertisers, preparation for the Super Bowl, giving monetary incentives for advertisers and brands to leverage the app. So I think this kind of turn in the opposite direction is an interesting approach and something that we should absolutely keep an eye on. This could have really big potential pitfalls and things like that as far as brands go, but also just in my own personal usage, like I don't want to be in some echo chamber of things that I don't believe in or things that I don't want to see on the internet. So, but anyway, let's now pivot to Meta, the other big player in this social game, as they launched new Reels ad options. Natalie, why don't you break all this down for us? There's a lot here. Yes. So... Reels, as they keep getting more momentum on Facebook and Instagram, we're seeing like a lot of people begin to leverage Reels more often. In my personal opinion, and this is slightly off topic, but we'll go here. I feel like it's either your team TikTok or team Reels. But with Reels getting more and more momentum, um, we're seeing Meta rolling out some new ad options, helping advertisers kind of maximize opportunities within the platforms. So one update we're seeing here are click to messenger ads. These are ads that on sponsored posts, you'll see kind of a, a message button populate. And this will give an opportunity for users interacting with with the ad they're being served to kind of directly converse with the business or, you know, influencer that is proposing this ad. So these will be facilitated through Messenger, through Instagram, or through WhatsApp. You can select multiple messaging app destinations for where a conversation will take place, such as Instagram and WhatsApp when creating the ad. And this essentially just gives users the ability to converse directly with the brand. I think this is interesting to examine as a way that Meta is looking to keep users and keep influencers on app. It also facilitates a really, really, really organic point of conversation as we interact with brands. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Like, I think that marketers are going to love this, love the opportunity to be able to engage with, with their customers and with their audience. But I'm curious, Stephanie, do you think users are going to use this? Like, do you think you would engage with a brand through Messenger? Do you really want to have a conversation with Pacific Moon University, as the example was in the article, or with, I don't know, Tic Tac? I mean, I think a university would be a great example because someone interested can immediately kind of get in touch. It's not this, it's, it's low stakes, you know? It might even open the door for more communication because of that. Yeah, for sure. Natalie, what else? I think it'll be interesting too, because as we look how these brands are actually facilitating these conversations, is this an opportunity to leverage ChatGPT and AI to develop these like kind of conversations with their users? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, if there's not a person on the other end of those chats, then I'm pretty sure that there's going to be an AI there ready to answer all your questions you have about these brands. All right. Let's now talk about, let's stay with the AI thing and let's talk about LinkedIn and how they are using AI and chat GPT. Steph, what's the deal? Joey, you heard last week, we shared that LinkedIn launched collaborative articles powered by AI. Well, as a Microsoft-owned company, it's no surprise to see LinkedIn already looking to add more AI elements into virtually all of its apps and functions. They are doing this by integrating OpenAI's conversational GPT backend. This system will use that model to generate new self-summaries, which could make it easier to put together a good representation of your skills and experience without you having to come up with a creative way to stand out. This is helpful for obvious reasons. It takes a lot of the pressure off of setting up your LinkedIn profile. On the other hand of that, LinkedIn summaries could all start to look pretty much the same. 
the risk with replicating content based on existing examples is that everything will start to feel similar. And as more content is generated by AI over time and then fed into these tools to generate even more content, everything could eventually seem like a copy of a copy of a copy, just totally lacking life and personality. We don't want that. It is still too early for us to fully comprehend what these new AI tools will mean for connection. But we see the gradual expansion carving a place of significance in how we do things. On our team, we started using it for quick asks, specs, platform demographics, and beyond. It's so easy. While it becomes more present, we just need to ensure that originality stands out. If you're still waiting for your sign, this is me telling you that it's worth getting ahead of the wave now and ensuring you understand as much as you can about how these systems work. So what you're saying is I should be an early adopter with my LinkedIn profile and have ChatGPT write it for me. I really can't think of anything better. Your odds of standing out are better now than ever because they'll just start to sound like everyone else's the longer you wait, if that's your method. Natalie, what do you think of all this? Is this awesome, scary, cool, going to be more of a sea of the same? A little bit of all. I also think that this is kind of an obvious step for LinkedIn, as I'm sure they're kind of anticipating what their users are going to leverage AI for. I also think as Steph has noted, the main concern is making sure that you still stand out. As it always is when you're on platforms like LinkedIn, you want to stick out amongst the crowd. You know, we'll see how many people actually leverage this tool. But I think it's an interesting step by LinkedIn on kind of anticipating user behavior. But I would say one of the things that we enjoy in looking at a resume is the individuality that it brings. And LinkedIn already strips a lot of that formatting and personality that you'd see from a PDF resume. So this just kind of goes closer. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, when you have to submit your LinkedIn and it like, you know, makes you pull everything, it just kind of makes it all feel bland. But yeah, this could be a way to sort of make it a plus up in the actual text itself. We talk about on this show how much I love LinkedIn just in general. So I think this is super cool. Actually, as long as, you know, my LinkedIn description doesn't start to pull from your LinkedIn profile and make it sound like we're all one person, I think. But yeah, this could be really cool. Excited to see where this one goes. Speaking of things, we're excited to see where it goes. Instagram. Let's talk about Instagram as they introduce reminder ads and promoted results. Natalie, what am I talking about with this? So Instagram is introducing a reminder ad feature that essentially lets users set reminders for themselves for when live streams or upcoming events are happening. This can also include show releases. I think this is a move on Instagram's part to kind of grab hold of the entertainment sphere that TikTok so heavily dominates in. TikTok is a self-proclaimed entertainment app, not a social media app. So almost like a, a grasp at influencers that have been flocking to TikTok by Instagram. So essentially, how is this a grasp? The ability to set reminders to tell your audience when you are going live, to tell your audience when you have upcoming events is huge to remind about releases, I think will be leveraged by advertisers. It's kind of a step to like stay on platform or users and audiences alike to stay on platform, especially when major events are happening. Yeah, what a great idea. I think Instagram is going to do everything and anything they can to just keep taking jabs at TikTok. I mean, this feature is cool. Stephanie, do you have any thoughts on the feature? I'll just be quick to say I dig it. You dig it. That's great. Okay. So now I want to just take a quick look at like the big picture of what we just were talking about on TikTok and what's going on with Instagram. Very quickly, do you guys think that Instagram is just biding their time, building up for what eventually could be a TikTok ban? You know what, Joe? I'm going to be completely honest. I had not thought about it like that at all. But I think that is a very interesting way to examine it. I mean, you know that the people at Meta are kind of crossing their fingers, 
potentially hoping that, you know, a ban for TikTok comes. And while I think a lot of their moves, like you said, have been with the intention to kind of acquire some of that audience that has hopped on over to TikTok, maybe it is kind of a play at biding their time. What do you think, Steph? The first thing that came to my mind when you said it was, well, why would Instagram want that? Then they have no one to get inspo from. Mm. <laughs> but if, mm. if I'm going a little, you know, I, I think it would benefit them largely if TikTok wasn't there. They have reels in a place where it's decent for creation, but it's natural for viewing. I think if they were to invest more in the creator aspect for both rewarding creators and incentivizing just users to be able to create, then it wouldn't matter if TikTok stays or goes. I think Instagram has a fair shot in the game. Yeah, yeah. What else, Natalie? I mean, do we think that there would be this kind of like big push on Reels if there were to be a ban? I mean, I feel like Reels, like you said, Steph, it's almost just copying and pasting TikTok and even like just a reposting of TikTok content on Reels. I wonder if it has that same kind of trending incentive that TikTok has and the kind of like overall community that TikTok has. I don't know if that's present on Instagram Reels yet. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if there potentially is a ban, if we do actually see kind of a flock to Reels. All very interesting. Also worth noting too, that I noticed the heat between that the app sort of seems to migrate. You know, for a while it was on Instagram and then it moved to Twitter and now it's on TikTok. So the heat from these apps, I think, politically just keeps migrating around. And it's all just something to observe and something to keep your eye on. And for us, something to keep talking about from week to week. Well, that does it for us this week. If you don't already, be sure to share us, review us, like us, follow us, write to us with your questions, comments, concerns, points of interest or complaints or just send us a thing you want us to talk about, you can do all of that by emailing us at podcast@gray.com. Of course, I want to thank our fantastic panel today, Stephanie and Natalie. Thank you both for coming over from Tank to be on this show. And as always, I want to thank Samantha Geller, Amanda Fuentes, and the crew over at Gramercy Park Studios behind the scenes. And on the latest episode of Gray's Webby-winning podcast, Gray Matter, a podcast about ideas, I had the pleasure of chatting with the founders of the Slumu Institute, Karen Rabinovitz and Sarah Schiller, about how they found their happy place in the magic of slime. The Slumu Institute is an immersive sensory playground in Soho that uses slime as its primary way of play for kids and adults. It's a fun conversation about slime. If you're a creative person, you'll definitely enjoy this episode. They also have locations in Atlanta and Chicago. So if you're in those places, go check them out. You can follow and listen to Gray Matter wherever you are listening to this podcast. That does it for us this week. We will actually be off next week, but when we are back, it will be our 150th episode of The Five Things. We are so, so excited for that. In the meantime, enjoy this podcast, listen to Gray Matter, and thank you, listener. And please, please be social. The Five Things are written and researched by the Social and Connections team at Gray New York, produced by Joey Scarillo and Samantha Geller. Mixed at Gramercy Park Studios by Amanda Fuentes and Guy Rosemarin, with post-production support from Ned Martin. Additional support by Christina Hyde and Adrian Hopkins. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.